You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. It was a big weekend for Canada's Court. I had the pleasure of heading down to Boston to take in a Celtics game versus the Toronto Raptors. And while I was there, I thought I would speak with some influential Canadians. You'll hear the first of those two conversations today. Here's my interview with Boston Celtics assistant coach Scott Morrison from the conference room at the Celtics practice facility. Well, Scott Morrison has already made NBA history. He's the first person from Prince Edward Island to find his way on an NBA coaching staff. It's a journey filled with success from the university level, then the developmental league for the NBA, and now Scott Morrison is an assistant coach on one of the top teams in the NBA and certainly one of the most historic. He's an assistant coach with the Boston Celtics, and I'm here at the uh, Celtics practice facility today. Scott, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for, thanks for coming in. Good to have a couple of Canadians in the, in the building as well. <laughs> so tell me uh, first about how you got this uh, new job. Did you know the offer was coming in the offseason? Uh, I had an inkling. I've been coaching the Maine Red Claws, which is the now we call G League team of the Celtics in Portland, Maine. And uh, just in, in communicating with Coach Stevens, I, I had hoped that this call would come. Uh, I actually hoped it would come the year before. Uh, but uh, happened this summer, so I was pretty excited to accept his, his offer, and it's been a big change for me going from a head coach to an assistant coach on such a big staff, but a change that I was, I was, was one of my goals uh, to, to make, so it's been great so far. You mentioned a big staff. Tell me a bit about what your kind of role is with the team on a day-to-day basis. Sure. Well, we have uh, six assistant coaches, and we're divided up amongst offense, defense, and personnel. So I'm one of the two offensive-minded coaches, although everyone's watching everything, I guess. But I, I share the offensive scouts uh, with another coach, Coach Allen, and everyone's assigned two or three players to work with individually. And that involves, you know, working them out every day, depending on how much, you know, energy they should be expending that day and their, their workload, watching the film with them, making sure they know any adjustments that we've made with the team, and, and just basically looking after them. Uh, on an individual basis, so uh, that keeps you busy. It's, it's the busiest job I've, ever, I've had so far, even being a head coach for so long, uh, just to make sure that you don't leave anything, any stone unturned and and try to do all your little tasks at an NBA level. And who are you working with right now? Uh, the two guys that were assigned to me were uh, Shemi Ojale, who's a second round pick, who's doing pretty well so far, uh, defensive guy, kind of a three and D guy, and then Gordon Hayward, who obviously had an unfortunate uh, injury in the very first game, um, but we're still, you know, doing our workouts. Whatever he can do, we we trying to keep him busy and making sure that he's uh, improving his skills while he's off his feet. Now the question I think a lot of people will have will be, uh, how did a guy from Prince Edward Island end up on the uh, Celtics coaching staff? So tell me about the first uh, head coaching position you got. Yeah, it's been a convoluted journey. Um, I guess I got my. Big first break being born. Um, <laughs> that I, what I mean by that is my dad was a college coach too. So uh, even though I was from a small town in PEI, I was exposed to a high level of basketball growing up. So I got lucky with that. Um, finished my playing career at UPEI and uh, decided to get into coaching. Uh, got another break with um, Coach Carolyn Savoy at Dalhousie. Uh, she gave me an assistant job for a year and then decided to take a sabbatical the following year and left the team in my hands. So I was an interim head coach 
at uh, age 23, 24. And from there, became good friends with the men's coach at the time at Dalhousie named John Campbell, who had strong ties in Northern Ontario. Um, long story short, the job at Lakehead University opened in Thunder Bay and, and John helped get me an interview. Uh, I think they offered it to three other people and then I was like the fourth name on the list. So they offered me the job at Lakehead and I was there for 10 years. The last four or five were very successful. Um, yeah, you really were able to kind of turn that program around. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, it, when I got there, I was 25. I thought I'd be coaching the Knicks in like three years. Uh, thought I knew knew everything and had the, you know, the world in the palm of my hand. But it turned out to be quite a struggle. We lost a lot of games those first five or six years, and uh, finally started to figure some things out. Got a couple of lucky breaks with recruiting, and you know, the players that we had really got better and worked hard to improve and and got us to you know the top level of Canadian University of Basketball. We ended up beating Carleton a couple times and. Uh, my very last game in at Lakehead was the national championship game where we lost to Carlton in 2013. I want to say the years kind of run together, um, but it was a nice. It would have been nice to win the whole thing, um, but it was a good run there, and I was proud of, of how the staff and players really uh, grinded it out to improve. Carlton's a, a tough one to beat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of schools down here in the U.S. that can't beat them, and I find myself actually rooting for them now which is uh, almost blasphemous uh, coming from the Ontario Conference. But whenever they play, you know, the Boston area schools and American schools, I root for them because if they win, um, a lot of people around here hear about it from me. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and then from that, you went on to the uh, main Red Claws, and I understand that was a bit of a leap of faith for you. Could you tell me about that? Yeah, I mean, in Canada, it's a little different than the U.S. The, the salaries at university level kind of top out. Uh, when I was in a position to renegotiate my contract, uh, Lakehead wanted to keep me, and I kind of wanted to stay too, but I also wanted to, um, I guess, be rewarded for our success. Excuse me. Um, couldn't, you know, instead of getting a raise, or I guess they, you know, really couldn't afford to give me more money, um, I tried to negotiate a year off with pay, a sabbatical. Um, so during that sabbatical year, I had planned or thought I would be able to just volunteer with an NBA team, and turns out that was pretty naive to think. They aren't just handing those jobs out. So I asked about uh, the D-League, and I happened to know just through social media a couple of coaches in the D-League, told them my story. One of them offered me a chance to come in and just basically be a fly on the wall, volunteer, um, help out with every task possible from laundry to driving the bus to uh, setting the court up, whatever. Also gave me some basketball-related tasks, including um, player development and and scouting. So uh, I went to Maine. Uh, it wasn't much of a risk at the time because I was still getting paid from Lakehead and I still had a job waiting for me. But uh, over that following summer, I was when I was back in Thunder Bay getting ready for the CIS season, um, you know, Coach Stevens called me and uh, offered me the job, the head job in Maine, the, the coach that I was working for had left. So you know, I took it right on the spot. It took me about three seconds to decide. Um, and it wasn't because I didn't like Lakehead. I just I didn't want to be um, a coach that was at the same school for 30 years, even though there's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of my you know, idols and mentors are coaches that have spent a long time at one school. I just wanted to try different things. And if it didn't pan out, I figured I could come back and get a different CIS job eventually. So I thought I'd go for it and um, came in pretty blind. Knew a little bit about the league from my year off, but uh, you know, I kind of had to learn on the fly, but I was lucky to learn through training camp and in the preseason from Coach Stevens in Boston and then 
by the time I shipped out to Maine, I had a pretty good handle on what was going on. You mentioned even uh, doing laundry. Was there a point ever where you were like, wait, why am I, why am I doing this? Yeah, I, I mean, there's lots of points like that. It was kind of funny. They had three interns that year. I guess I could be classified as an intern. And the other intern that worked with me was a, a guy named Jim Moran. He was about my age. He had a long career overseas. He had his jersey retired in the top league in Spain. And there were several days where we were the only ones in the office. You know, these guys were just leave their stuff on the floor and towels and face cloths and everything you can imagine. And we're picking it up and um, we're kind of looking at each other like, man, how did we get to this point? We had a pretty good, good thing going where we were before. Um, but fast forward four years and we're the only two guys from that staff that are in the NBA. Um, Jim's an assistant with the Portland Trailblazers and I'm here in Boston. So we were joking uh, via text before the season started that it's hard to believe out of all those guys and what we were doing four years ago that we were at this point. So it kept us humble and um, also makes for some good jokes when we see each other. There you go. And uh, you mentioned the start of the season. It was a bit of a, a tough start for you guys, uh, Gordon Hayward going down with that injury. Tell me about that play. What was going through your head when you saw what happened? Um, well, I'll never forget it, that's for sure. Um, I remember when Gordon came down, he went for to catch a lob pass and um, kind of got banged up between two bodies going for the ball and came down and landed awkwardly. I, I thought his shoe fell off and it was just kind of hanging off the side of his foot. Um, obviously, it turns out it was much more serious than that. Um, it was a rough night uh, for the team, for him especially, and even for me personally. Um, you know, the, the first day I met Gordon was the day he signed his contract. Uh, I was joking with him that the, you know, the first workout we did, he signed a max contract. I must be a pretty good coach. Um, but we spent, you know, Gordon, myself, and, and the guy who works him out in the summer, Jason Smethers, we spent about six weeks together in, in California this year, uh, working out every day. And then we, he, he, they came up here and we worked out every day. And he, he was so excited about this season and his, this next step in his career. Um, and I think five minutes into it, he, he had the worst injury that almost you could imagine. So it's been, it was tough, um, but I think we're starting to turn the corner. And, you know, like even today, he was out shooting on his regular time with the guys off the chair, um, took part in practice and film. And it's good to have him back for sure. But um, definitely was a big factor on our team um, losing him. It's been really you know, impressive how the players and especially Coach Stevens has kind of rallied everybody around and we've had such a good start. Um, but yeah, it was quite a bittersweet night. Um, you know, stand out there for the national anthem. I was trying to have one of those moments where you think back and say, hey man, I, you know, I really made it and how excited it was. And then five minutes later was probably hopefully the worst thing I'll ever see uh, in my NBA career, however long that might be. Um, so, uh, but even, you know, myself, I felt bad even feeling bad because I know Gordon was devastated and uh, he's the one that's going to have to put in all the hard time with the rehab. But um, I never felt sorry for him because I feel sorry for the guys that are going to have to guard him when he comes back next year. He's going to be uh, ready to go and stronger than ever. What communication did you have with him directly following that? Um, well, it was kind of a, I mean, silver lining of the whole night, I guess, was that his parents were there. Um, and a couple of his, his coaches from uh, his younger days. So I actually left the bench um, at the end of the first quarter, went back to see what was going on, see how he was doing, and, and his, his family was back there with him. So, I mean, it was, I guess, as comforting as possible given the circumstances. And then um, it was a real cloud over everybody that day for sure. Uh, Gordon was able to get um, to the plane and come home with us on the plane. And then the next couple of days he spent in the hospital getting his surgery and, and 
you know, getting things set up for his, for his rehab. So it was tough. I mean, um, I'm sure he had lots of people that were looking out for him and everyone felt bad for him and things like that. But uh, uh, I thought he handled it really well. And he's had brought a real strong attitude to the gym since he's been coming back in, even though he'd rather be running around with everybody else. He's, he's doing what he can from the chair and um, set his mind on improving some of the maybe weaknesses that he could improve from there. And partly because that was the first game of the season, I think everybody, any uh, NBA-related person was watching that game. And Twitter, I know at least, really erupted after that, and there was all sorts of good messages. You had LeBron James uh, going up to him as he was being helped off the court. What did you learn about the league in that night? Well, I learned that, um, you know, it's it's kind of an extended family or fraternity, I suppose you could say. Uh, I had... Even I myself had a lot of texts. I'm sure Gordon's phone was full and Coach Stevens' phone was full, but even uh, people that I know throughout the league reached out. Everyone, you know, was sympathetic to him. I think everyone, if they mashed up against him, would want to beat him, obviously, but no one wants to see their um, colleague, you know, go through something like that. And I think that all the players especially see that and they're like, they can put themselves in his shoes pretty quick. So I learned that it was a fraternity like that. And I also learned that uh, things can change in, a, in an instant, literally. The amount of time it takes to jump and land, uh, you know, seasons and careers and nights can be changed. So, um, you know, not that I'm playing anymore, but, you know, it's another reminder to just, while you don't want to lose focus on what your goals are and keep working hard, you also want to try and enjoy the moment every now and then. And since that happened, I mean, you guys lost the first two games, but since then you're on an 11-game winning streak, which is one of the best in the past, uh, in the, the best in the past decade. What does that say about the team to be able to react that way? It says that they are mentally tough, um, resilient, um, you know, and, and pretty talented, I have to think. Uh, we're a young team, but I thought one of the you know, most savvy coaching moves that Coach Stevens made so far this year was coming in and telling the young guys that we don't have time for them to be young anymore. They can't be young players. They have to just be players. And since then, we've really taken off. Um, you know, the front office obviously made some pretty good draft picks. And uh, credit to the players for – expanding their role and um, a little bit of a stumble when, when Gordon got hurt in the first two games. But since then, it's been you know, pretty much downhill and two very impressive wins. Uh, one last night against Charlotte where we were down 12 in the fourth quarter. And then uh, last week against OKC, pretty talented team. We were down, I think, 18 at the half and the guys came back and won. So I hope that they're going to remember those two games because it shows that basically any given point in time, as long as we're within 20 points, we have a shot to win. And uh, last night, especially without Kyrie, Gordon, and uh, Al Horford, the guys got it done. So I don't think we can count on that lineup to win every game, but uh, it would be a nice reminder when we're going to need those guys sometime down the road again. With that injury happening at the start of the season, did it change at all? Because going into the season, the Celtics were certainly one of the the favorites in the Eastern Conference, but you're still 11-2. and two. Is uh, your goals at all changed for this season? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I've been impressed with Coach Stevens. He doesn't really uh, talk about much more than the next game, which I think is pretty smart to do. Um, so, I mean, he's trying to win every game, and that's the message that he's trying to send to the team, and uh, coaches are following suit. So no one really talks about, you know, getting to the second round or getting to the first round or whatever the case may be. We're just talking about, in this case, Toronto, because we play them next. Uh, and I think as long as the guys can – stay focused on that one game at a time mentality, then we're going to put ourselves in the best position to do so. And if we do that another 70 times, then uh, we'll probably be in pretty good shape going into the playoffs. 
Now we're here in the practice facility, and uh, it's just covered with history. I know there's all sorts of championship banners and retired numbers. What's it like being part of arguably the most historic uh, NBA franchise there is? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. Uh, no question about that. It's hard. Like I said, it's so busy, and, and everyone's performing and working at such a high level that you can't really afford to take a break and, and reminisce and things like that. But um, there's a nice view of the court and the banners from the, the treadmill. So some days after work, if I'm here late and I want to get a quick workout in, I'll go on the treadmill and, and take a second while I'm on there and, and just scan through the banners and think about the, the players that played in this gym and, and the garden. And uh, just to be like a minuscule, minuscule, small part of that is, is pretty cool. And um, knowing where I came from in Morrell, where most people probably have never even seen a game, uh, uh, me being you know, a basketball junkie my whole life. It's pretty, uh, pretty nice thing to, to have to look at. And what does this say about uh, kind of the, the development of coaches in Canada? I mean, you've got Jay Triano, who's now the interim head coach for the Suns. You're working here. Uh, do you think that's kind of uh, improving now? Uh, I, mean, I think it's been strong. Um, maybe we're getting a little bit more exposure now. And I mean, there's no way that I'm the best coach in Canada um, there's three or four others in the NBA or at least involved with it. And there's, um, you know, lots of great coaches back in the CIS that uh, could kick my butt any day of the week. I think that I, the reason I'm here is I just was able to get an opportunity and I was in a position to take it. Whereas a lot of guys, for whatever reason, you know, family is, is probably a big one that they can't maybe take a leap of faith like I did. But if they ever had the opportunity to, to do it and they did, that they would be uh, as successful or more than me. So. Um, if I can help bring a little bit of exposure to the coaches that we have, that would be great. Um, I just hope they all stay down there or back home because uh, I don't want to have to face them again like I did at Lakehead. I was happy, happy to get there on a high note. Um, it's a, there's a lot of great coaches and, and really tough to prepare for and play against. Now, I understand growing up you were a Knicks fan. Is that a, a matchup you're excited for? Um, yeah, I mean – or do you not really think about that as much now that you're uh, you're you're in the business? You got to try and cut that stuff out. Yeah, no, I I was a big Ewing fan, and uh, I Ewing was my favorite player growing up, Patrick Ewing, and I was able to see him play at the end of his career. Uh, and then when he left, the Knicks kind of went, went in the tank. So I was just looking for a reason to jump jump ship. Um, I consider myself a loyal guy uh, with my sports, you know, fandom. Um, the Expos had to leave Montreal altogether for me to stop cheering for them so I was happy to get hired by the Celtics a few years ago to coach the D-League because that gave me an excuse to leave the Knicks and uh, start cheering for or what was going to be a winning team so some of my friends still ask me about the Knicks and I'm like man you're not paying attention these guys have been writing the checks to me for four years now uh, it'd be pretty stupid to not cheer for uh, the home club so no I, I have no no really ties to New York anymore in terms of cheering for them um, but I like to think I was loyal, and maybe I'll be rewarded for that sometime. And uh, you're working with Brad Stevens right now, who's regarded as one of the top coaches in the NBA. What have you been able to glean with him so far about how he runs things? Uh, I've been learning things from him every day that I'm, I come in contact with him for four years. Um, he's the most prepared coach that I've ever been around. Um, people say he's a genius. Um, I mean, he's very intelligent, but I think the genius is in his preparation and his ability to communicate with uh, the players and team, um, keep everybody on task, keep everybody locked in, keep everybody level. Um, and then obviously late games, he's one of the best at managing 
situation and drawing up plays. So, uh, you know, it's been an honor to work with him, and I'm a better coach because of it and probably a better person as well. He's a, he's a outstanding um, citizen, probably even tops his coaching ability. Now, it's clear from your history that you're always looking uh, to move up and make the next step, and I know this might be a bit uh, far away from now, but uh, are you, do you ever think about becoming the first NBA head coach uh, from Prince Edward Island? Uh, sure. I mean, it'd be, be something nice that would happen down the road, but um, I'm not ready for that right now, even if it, there was an opportunity. So I'm just hoping to, right now, every day I get up, come to work, and hope that I can contribute some small, small way to a win uh, the next game or maybe help a guy get a little bit better as a player. Um, just do my job the best that I can and keep learning. And, you know, maybe eight, ten years down the road, if uh, the team does well and Coach Stevens gets sick of me, maybe he'll recommend me to a team uh, with an opening. But uh, for now, it's just exciting. All the things that you, you asked me about be, being part of the Celtics, being in the NBA, it's all pretty new. And um, I'm, I'm proud to be here, but also hungry to become a better NBA coach because it's, it's like I said, something new every day. And your dad, he's a, he's a pretty impressive coach in his own right. Do you ever have conversations with him about different strategies or uh, different players you're working with? Yeah, we keep in pretty good touch. He was actually just inducted to the UPEI Hall of Fame, and I was able to do a video, um, I guess, presentation to him, which was kind of cool. Obviously, I wish I could have been there, but it's tough to get away when our schedule's so busy. Um, but we've always talked my whole career, um, followed each other's teams when he was still coaching at Holland College. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of um, X's and O's discussions, I guess, anymore. Just more, you know, how things are going. And, and uh, he's always been a guy that I've learned a lot from. And uh, I like to think that I didn't forget too much when I was growing up that he did or, or talked about. So I, we may not talk about it a lot, but I'm still using stuff that he did or, or, or we, we discussed. And um, he's always been pretty good to let me make my own decisions and mistakes, but he's there if I need him. I talked to him uh, a bit before coming to the interview, and he said it was a, it's been a long time since uh, he's been able to teach you anything basketball-related. I mean, I wasn't going to say that, but, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure if we had the same team facing each other, I, I hope that I'd get the win. But, um, but there's no question I wouldn't be anywhere in basketball without uh, what he taught me growing up and, and even and beyond that. So. All right. Well, I would wish you good luck for tomorrow, but uh, unfortunately for uh, Celtics area, I'm a Raptors fan, so I can't. I can't wish you good luck, but I'll wish you good luck for the rest of the season. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I like seeing the Raptors do well too, just not when they're here or when we're there. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate you coming in. It was good to chat with you. That was assistant coach Scott Morrison of the Boston Celtics from their practice facility. Unfortunately, the Toronto Raptors did not pull off uh, the win on Sunday, but what can you do? If you like what you heard on this episode of Canada's Court, uh, you can rate the podcast on iTunes. Just go over there, hit review, and, you know, give us uh, maybe five stars or whatever you think it's worth. And you can also, if you want to interact with the show, send me an email at Podcast at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at Canada's Court. I should also give a shout-out to Joseph Drost, who did the fine photography for the Scott Morrison interview. Thank you, Joseph, for that help. That's all for this episode of Canada's Court. Later this week, I'll share with you my interview with Raptors player, development consultant, and former NBA All-Star, Jamal McGlure. Thanks for listening.